0: Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation Blog Talk in Broadband Talk Radio. We are here today to help uh, our listeners from public, private, and nonprofit organizations uh, in their efforts to get broadband every place it needs to be. So today's topic, we are going to look at. Um, what some might consider a uh, u- unique approach to funding broadband networks, uh, which is having local businesses step into the breach and, in essence, do locally what Google is doing in Kansas City. In other words, having an interested uh, business operation uh, come in to help a community uh, finance and build a broadband network which then allows them to take advantage of all the benefits that the broadband offers. So today uh, my guest is Pat Kennedy who is the uh, CEO of OSIsoft, a uh, software company in San Leandro, California. Pat, welcome to the show. Thank you. And so we're just going to jump right in here and and get a little bit of background and history and and move the discussion, you know, right into how we can get, you know, more businesses like yours involved. But let's throw a little bit of background. What does um, OSI do, and then how did you come to this point of deciding to uh, build a network? Okay.
1: Uh, well, OSI Soft is actually a fairly old company. We started, I started the company in 1980. And for a software company to be thirty-two years old is uh, a bit of a gray beard,
0: but <laughs> I uh, had
1: to, yes, I had a, a, a company. I have a company in San Leandro, California, and since we are software based, we're heavy users of the network and all things computing. So one of the issues <clears throat> is that as I started to expand, I needed to have uh, both space and I needed to have uh, basically much better broadband than the typical user. So I started looking around, and, and because cities are, are approachable today, uh had nice discussions with the, with the city, and uh, we decided to put a broadband loop in San Leandro the uh, as a private-public uh, type of effort. Uh, the public part of it is really essential because all right-of-ways in the world are really owned by the public, and uh what the businesses have to do is get behind it with some money engineering and uh a good uh a good presentation for what's what would be good for the city
0: hmm now did you do any kind of um needs assessment uh to determine the you know the viability of this as a business i mean clearly you know you you have a defined need and probably if there are other technology uh, companies in the area. That they would have a need as well within the community, but uh, what what did you do, or did you do anything to look at the the financial viability side of this?
1: Well, the short answer is no, uh, because the primary customer, of course, would be my company, and I knew I needed it. But also, it's it's just so clear that the with the ex, uh, great explosion of data and the function. And we can see, uh, and in the telecom end of it, you can see these limits on gigabits, and at the same time, expansion of, of wireless capability. It was just going to happen that in order to be into the into the next generation city, the city has to have good solid broadband service. The telecoms are excellent at serving homes, but I was specifically focused on businesses and industrial. And sometimes it's just not cost-effective for the local phone company to put a, a line into a warehouse that is uh,
0: two acres. Hmm. Well, I think we, you know, a lot of the people that listen to the show can identify with the, uh, you know, the difficulty in getting incumbents to understand the uh, the business case. But from your perspective. Is there a um, like? How do you do the the cost analysis? I mean, is it you know strictly that whatever you are investing, you will get back, and then everybody else who who benefits is like bonus bucks, or how how do you do that? The thinking on that one. Well,
1: well, not not it doesn't have to be that focused. I mean, I own property in San Leandro, so as it improves, uh, my property appreciates. Uh, my business uh, gets benefits from it, um, and also just the the uh, with the partnership with the city who had existing conduits, uh, costs are fairly low for what i 'm going to accomplish, so I frankly never really looked at the the payout numbers. The interesting thing is that literally the week I started this endeavor, I went to a NATOA conference, and they warned don 't do this uh, build it, and they will come." Uh, but uh I, I decided that would be the best plan, so I built it, and uh, the people are starting to come.
0: Hmm. so what kind of folks have showed up or have showed interest in this?
1: Well, it's interesting the you I didn't think too much about it when I started, but there's certain businesses um that that just die without uh, very very high throughput bandwidth uh just to give an example, we ran into a small uh production outfit that was doing uh, videos for these NFL football games. And San Leandro is an all-copper city, so um, literally all they could get were T1s, and they had a lot of them. I I don't remember now how many, six or seven. But it would still take them all night to transmit their product to the user. And if you look at what cameras are doing and frame speed and number of cameras and the uh, resolution that's only going to go up. He's mm-hmm. using a uh, what's called a Red Epic which is a $55,000 camera that takes uh, 5K pictures uh, fast enough uh, to show as a movie.
0: Hmm. That's um wow, that's that's pretty interesting. So, let's uh, look a little bit at the, the 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 process, the the planning process. What you know you decide that okay running the fiber would be a good thing you you figured out that you know partnering with the city would be valuable necessary and valuable uh because of the access to right of way then what what happens do you pull in a a, a planner a, a uh you know a third party contractor i mean how how do you get to the next step then
1: so this in uh, uh is a little bit unique in that uh and the plan I'm using in San Leandro, uh, we're all just funding it internally, so we didn't have to go through the funding step, which is all, always a, a that's a big deal. It's, it's very, very difficult to justify funds on infrastructure projects because you have to say, if we build it, then this will happen. And I don't know if people don't believe, but infrastructure pro- projects are really hard to fund. Okay. So I'm funding it, but then what happens is that because it is a public private partnership it, it it has to go through the public hearings we have to discuss it everything is completely open and above board and frankly i went through uh two or three public meetings and three actions of the city council and i never had an objection and the council voted 7-0 every time but it does take about six months once you get to that level and the council makes sure that it's a value to the city as well as a value to, to me, then we start working. And because the city's a partner, the, the work goes much, much more rapidly because when you start to do things like uh, put conduits in streets and use the public right-of-way, the, the permitting process, let me say city to city or city to caltrans or city to train company is far more efficient than private developer to city so really the city has been uh, a key partner in this
0: whole in this whole endeavor mhm then um you can definitely say that there's a, there's a strong there's a strong case for that could you envision where the um, I don't know the politics of a area might get in the way. I mean, clearly in in your uh, you know in California in general there isn't the same kind of hostility toward uh, municipal projects. Now I, re- I realize this isn't a municipal project, but there's a certain you know sort of incumbent entrenched mindset that could you know try to nuke any kind of city involvement at all. Do do you, do you see that potentially being a, a problem or or not?
1: No, it it could be a problem. In the, in the city-private partnerships, there's a very definite role of the city. They might not be paying for the fiber, but they have a role. And I would go so far to say that if the city isn't behind you, don't even start mm-hmm. because these are not things that could be done like a shopping center because it's uh, – it's 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 just not something that's easily understood because it is truly infrastructure. I was giving a, a presentation to some developers on what broadband meant to the city and what would happen, and finally one of them just piped up and said, oh, I understand. It's like building a big building without a road in front of it. I said, that's it. The next generation manufacturing office is going to be broadband-based, Internet-based. And my prediction would be that in five years, if you have uh, space that doesn't have good broadband access, you're not going to rent it.
0: That, I would definitely say, uh, you know, is a truism. I know that down in Santa Monica, uh, California, which is, I think, comparable in size to um, San Leandro, they they started their network as a uh, government communications replacement project. I mean, They they got rid of a lot of old communication technology and eventually evolved to, to services that went to the uh, business community. But one of the things that happened recently was they made a concerted effort to reach um, property owners, commercial property owners, and sell them on the notion of getting fiber inside of their buildings. And the result of that was pretty phenomenal because they resisted at first. The property owners resisted, and then when they actually capitulated and said, "Okay, well, I guess we'll do this thing," they couldn't fill their buildings fast enough because they had now they now had fiber in there in those buildings.
1: And the converse is also true. If you become the only city in the area that doesn't have good broadband, uh, you know, get used to it. You're going to be the last in line. And one of the issues, I live in the East Bay. San Leandro is in the East Bay of the Bay Area, and it is not as well served as what we call the peninsula, which is Mm -hmm. uh, San Francisco and South, and Silicon Valley, who all have great infrastructure and fiber and power and all the things you need. The East Bay is more the industrial areas. It's the big warehouses. It's got great transportation and infrastructure for manufacturing, but uh, there's very few, for example, data
0: centers uh on the east side of the bay hmm. so in in your in your mind, this is more than just the 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 party line about if you don't have broadband, your city will suffer you're you're looking at it up close and personal and finding that to be a truism
1: i I think that's absolutely the case i have uh my company is about a, a quarter billion a year. We were just uh, given the President's E Award for Exports. I have 815 people. I operate in 115 countries. And frankly, if I couldn't have gotten some good broadband, I would have had to move. Because as a software company where we're distributed around the world, we use teleconferencing, we use all sorts of, of telecommunications, uh, I can't afford to pay $10 million a year. For having the kind of
0: communications I need, mhm so 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 definitely folks need to get on the the stick and um and and see the and see the light um now in in Stanley Andrew's case, not only did you have the right of way benefits of working with the city, aren't there also additional benefits of having um BART which is our for those from not from the from the bay area that's our public transportation high, high what high speed rail uh service uh, subway system and so you're taking advantage of that presence as well aren't you Oh
1: absolutely when the, there was a there was a loop and actually there's three loops that people talk about in the bay area Palo Alto Santa Clara and now San Leandro in every case the conduit was existing conduit. Uh, In the case, for example, of Santa Clara, it was an old fire alarm system. A hundred years ago, they used to wire the fire alarms into the fire station. And so the power company over there was able to take that infrastructure and run fiber around it. In San Leandro's case, this was a project done maybe 10, 15 years ago where it was under a, a transportation project where they wired in all of their, uh, their streetlights. The issue was, though, that it didn't go anywhere. It was a ring that, that ringed the city, but it was basically communication around that ring. The great thing about BART is that BART comes right through San Leandro. It's got two different stations, and BART will uh, lease you dark fiber. Very, very few companies will do that. And that's absolutely necessary to get a city wired or wired up to where it has world class broadband is that you have to have some ownership of the fiber to get out of the city uh, without basically having to go on the public infrastructure and Let me give one example of that. If you had, for example, two buildings which I do in the in the area, and you want to have them both on the same network. We run as our backbone network, we run 10-gigabit service. Uh-huh. So if you were using standard telecom and you didn't have your own fiber, you'd have to go out to the telecom, go to their knock, and then back into the second building. So you'd be paying both up and down, and you'd have to have speeds that aren't commonly available uh, in the city. So this is a great benefit for me. I can, I can take any buildings in the loop, and I can fiber them together and have them act as one, so that takes dark fiber, and that's where the bart bart people have been fantastic is it they they have a business uh leasing uh BART, uh dark fiber
0: hmm now how common is that to find a public transportation system that has um that has its own dark fiber?
1: It's becoming more common. I guess when I started it wasn't so common, but most of the uh, train companies, high-speed rail, they're looking at how to monetize their investment in their infrastructure, Mm -hmm. and they don't necessarily ring a city, but they tend to go from city to city. So they're a very important part of the equation, and I know that most of the uh, train systems in the Bay Area uh, actually, run uh, fiber down their tracks.
0: Interesting. So it's basically there's an effort then to incorporate fiber as as part of the infrastructure. Probably in some cases, wireless too. Uh, and, and I'm thinking of Amtrak now, which has wireless on all of its train, not all of it, but a number of its trains going up and down its corridors. So, so if you have um, rail systems that are in, um, incorporating fiber and wireless. Then your approach, your strategy—you know, you know—the the local business taking advantage of the opportunity can then tap into that existence of that infrastructure to benefit everybody involved. Because now, if I'm again, if I'm following the, your 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 point correctly, um, these rail systems that are incorporating this um, infrastructure now have an opportunity to make a little bit of revenue. As opposed to it just being something that they use internally, they can use it internally, and hey, we have this excess access let 's go find someone who wants to tap into it
1: they they that's correct now, one thing about the wireless keep in mind that when the wireless gets back to the tower, that tower is fiber connected, so they really they 're not competing strategies. The wireless is a way to distribute this information once you get to uh to a particular area, but to take that. Traffic and take it down from one city to another, to a data center, and out into the rest of the world. That's all fiber. So actually, to have wireless, uh, good wireless, you pretty much have to have good fiber to pick up those towers and bring them back. Uh, there's uh, an effort now on a lot of the telecoms to to start getting uh, fiber, uh, more fiber into these uh, towers, so that there's fewer of them and that they handle high capacity. So mm-hmm. they're really not competing technologies. We use some wireless at let San Leandro. If we have a, a user that, let me say, is a half a block or a block away, then wireless, a point-to-point wireless, is a way to get them on relatively inexpensively. And then to improve the city ambiance, you have to have zones where people collect. And one way to help people to collect is to have uh, hot spots. So there's a lot of wireless that goes into a broadband project.
0: Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's a good thing, I think, because, um, you know, we, we seem to have, uh, it's almost like a religious war between folks who believe in fiber alone and people who believe in wireless alone. And it seems to be the hardest thing sometimes to get people to understand that you've got to find some logical way to mix the two. You can't. I mean, I shouldn't say can't, but it's probably is not as wise to have just one. You know, it makes more sense to, to, to mix it up a little bit.
1: And I think you'll always have it. I mean, there are certain features. Uh, fiber is, is it can be run above ground, but to be really reliable, it's in conduit, it's below ground. Uh, wireless, it's easy to get out to, to get to the people that need to use it so having uh having a, a a good solid fiber backbone actually promotes the use of wireless rather than, than uh they don't conflict at all
0: mhm no I definitely think that's a uh that's a good thing it's just a question of getting folks to uh to see the light it's always about getting people to understand uh where these uh where these benefits lie. So now who is going to actually um, sell the service?
1: So there's, there's actually Leandro. three There's three layers here. There's uh, um, an LLC called San Leandro Dark Fiber. This is the entity that's actually running cables and pretty much just burying glass in the ground. The second function you have to do is that once you have fiber optics around, is that there's got to be some carrier uh, frequency put onto that. And the most modern is called dense wave. And so somebody has to install dense wave switches and have a way that these data go back and forth. Lit San Leandro is the entity that is supplying uh, lit fiber, if you will. And then the services are actually provided by various uh service providers. Uh one we use a lot, Crosslink Systems out of Oakland is doing a lot of the uh just uh, internet service, voice over IP, those kinds of things, but the key is if you have your your own loop, it's it's a pretty much open loop. So if people want to build a business around having uh, having fiber installed within the city then we're approachable by all uh, so it's an open system
0: which um if you take the position that uh really all you're doing with the with the with the broadband with the fiber is creating a platform for applications then what you look for are people to sell uh, to create and sell applications so it does i mean and ISPs are kind of you know i think the 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 default assumption everyone assumes if i build this fiber infrastructure if i build a backhaul then i go out and i hunt down isps you know who which isps want to provide service but if you look at it from the perspective that well what we're really doing is we're we're creating this platform to deliver applications then you don't necessarily have to limit your, your search to just ISPs. You you basically look for anybody who has a good application that they are able to figure out how to deliver over the infrastructure. Is that a correct assump- well, assumption That that's correct. So when I when I um,
1: lease the fiber from BART, where it goes, it goes down to a data center in Oakland called DRT, Digital Realty Trust, down by Jacqueline Square. Mm-hmm. The key to a data center is a data center tends to be the convergence of these wholesale carriers that we call long-haul carriers, people like Level 3, XO, uh, and, and such. So those people provide you an ISP function when you get to them. So you deliver to, let me say, Level 3, and then Level 3 becomes your ISP going out. So the ISP function uh, once you find a way to connect outside of your own domain, that's that's fairly easy to acquire. The functions that take uh, a little more effort, uh, things like voice over IP, you have to have uh, a way to manage it, to bill it, and then every voice over IP system where you're using your IP networks for your telephones, you still have to have gateways out to the public telephone system because uh, a telephone system where you couldn't call out and people couldn't call you wouldn't be very useful. And Mm -hmm. so there's always extra services to deliver what you were calling an application. And, yes, you try to uh, make that system open so if you have someone that wants to provide an application to the city of San Leandro, they have a way to move their uh, move their
0: uh, information into their customers. Uh-huh. Huh. Now, one of the questions that uh, you know I, I hear a lot of is, um, well, if you're in an urban area, you have all the broadband you need. We're only we only need to get broadband into rural areas. They're the only people that don't have, you know, any kind of connectivity and and so forth and so on. Right. So everything focuses to the rural. However. San Leandro is in truly an urban Bay Area. I mean, it's, it's one of a you know a multitude of uh, cities and towns that are in essence geographically all woven together. I mean, you cross the street from Oakland and into San Leandro, and you cross the street from Berkeley into Albany, right? So we're we're the epitome metropolitan area. Yes. Why do we why do we need um why do we need this broadband effort because we're supposed to have everything taken care of. We're not there. We're not the rural. We're not rural America here. So
1: so just to emphasize your point, I can stand on the top of my building and I can see Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco, San Mateo. We are as urban as you could possibly want. But recall the story about the production people because we are Basically, in all copper city, there really aren't the kind of services to business that you need to do the work. And what happens is, if you look at uh, look at it from the viewpoint of the telecom companies, if you were going to invest heavily to roll out LTE or fiber or something like that, why would you come to San Leandro? Why wouldn't you go to Silicon Valley, San Francisco, San Jose? And that's sort of what happens in an urban area. If you're not on the forefront, then suddenly you're sort of left out. You're working with last year's structure. Now, we had better, even before I started, we had better broadband here than, say, some rural communities. Some rural communities are working on almost barely above dial-up. And so we had better than that. But compared to the kind of circuitry that you find in say San Francisco to Silicon Valley we weren't even close. And so you find these islands within urban areas that need this need this support. That actually creates a, an interesting problem because the the government is well aware of the problem of rural areas and there's many projects, there's funding, there's programs to bring our rural areas into the broadband world but if you're sitting in the city that has copper and they're and they're delivering you a a, a DSL then there's basically no programs for you okay. so in this way this was really a business improvement program and i made it i made it apparent from the beginning when when the first public meetings i would tell people this is not fiber to the home. We're not taking, you know, fiber optics into people's houses like Google is doing or like some of the other providers are doing. This is for businesses and industrial clients that need to move into the next generation of business and
0: industry. Mm. So it's a um it's a I don't know, it's a perception issue, it's a political issue um Maybe it's a PR issue that the that the urban community isn't seen appropriately for the need that it has. Because we've well, seen that so f- sorry, go ahead.
1: I'm I'm sorry, yeah, but it it's it's more than just perception and in a sense uh and I'm finding this from all of the surrounding communities as well. If you go into an industrial area in Oakland or in Hayward or out in Alameda County, you find exactly the same thing in that we have tremendous advantages in the East Bay in that we have land, we have transportation, we have rail power, but we don't have this uh, high-tech communication. And for certain businesses – that becomes super critical, and I should go back and say not all businesses. I mean, if you're running an auto repair shop, there are some functionalities. You like to get to the manuals. You like to get to the the searches and things such as this, but it's not as critical, for example, if you're running a video studio or you're running animation or healthcare instrumentation. There are just certain businesses that we want to attract to San Leandro that need to have this kind of an infrastructure to run. Uh, It's really a different problem than the rural problem, which is generally a communication to the home issue. And frankly, the the incumbents have done a pretty good job of getting uh, communication and high-speed broadband to the homes where it breaks down is it if and and look at it from their viewpoint, if you take a fiber out into a neighborhood and then run copper out to the houses, you might pick up uh, let me say a few hundred subscribers. If you take that same capital investment and you move it into a warehouse district, you might see five, so it's really not cost effective to have the same kind of broadband infrastructure for businesses that you have in in the homes. Now, unfortunately, from a city's perspective, the jobs are in the businesses, not in the homes. So for job growth and for industrial growth and for development, then this infrastructure is needed. I have just as an aside, San Leandro has a long history of doing that. Uh, Fifty years ago, the city of San Leandro built their own sewer plant so that they could attract light industry. And it worked very well. They attracted all these light industries, and it became the city of the lowest tax rate around. And actually, our taxes didn't actually go down with Prop 13. They were already very low. Uh-huh. But now what's happened is that those kinds of industries have moved on, and we now have to do the same thing and cater to this next generation of industry and frankly a lot of that's in information systems
0: and broadband. Right. Now, even 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 saying that, I think if you take the long-term view and you sort of look at your, you know, your auto mechanics and those kinds of traditional blue-collar businesses where you have to, you know, bring your car in and so forth and so on, um I think, won't there come a time when broadband is going to be a factor for them? Because I might want to visually see the operation before I bring a car somewhere. I might want to see what the progress is. Or I might leave my car off. I mean, how many times do people, you know, you leave your car off and then you have to kind of come back and and find out what they've done. And, you know, and and the guy, like, brings out these parts and shows you, well, you know, this isn't working, that's not working or whatever, right? Well, you could do a lot of that via the via the internet if you have a fast enough connection wouldn't you that that's absolutely
1: correct in fact i i didn't mean to to mislead two of my first three customers one's the chevy dealer and one's the ford dealer okay
0: Because
1: (laughs) what happens is it's not just the spare parts it's like searching for those parts there are uh, updates that come out on a routine basis if you think about uh, an automobile there's some large number of processes on there, and I I frankly don't know how many. But we're not far away from a time where, you know, to get your GPS and everything updated, you're going to drive through, you're going to flash your uh, RFID card, and it's going to upgrade all of your systems, and you'll drive on about the way. That kind of an operation is going to require not just broadband, heavy-duty broadband, and the auto dealers have been really on the forefront of getting good broadband. They, used to, they, you know, they put their own satellite system up with Scientific Atlanta 20 years ago. So there is use for them. The businesses that I keep talking or I mentioned earlier is that there's a large group of businesses like auto dealers that would be enhanced by having, you know, really good broadband. But there's another group of businesses that just frankly won't exist without broadband. And I give one example of that. If you think of DNA testing, and I know if you've looked, watched TV in the last 10 years, you know all about DNA testing and how they can track the people and look at the character of, the, of, the, of your DNA. That is now dropped below $1,000 a test. And we've always said once it drops below $1,000 a test, it will become a standard diagnostic procedure. And if you read, it's not only going to be a standard diagnostic procedure, it's going to be a standard treatment procedure. Right now, the 800-pound gorilla for DNA testing is actually Beijing Genome Institute in China. And the way these analyzers work is that they'll put out a file that's 300 gigabytes, it'll put out a file bigger than your total monthly uh, allowance on on some of these these, uh, broadband systems. And it's so much that most of the DNA analyzer machines actually put that on a disk and they mail the disk. Mm -hmm. So now if you look at next-generation healthcare for these DNA analysis for a hospital system, they're going to have to be like Stanford, is that you have an image, you have a test, it's in your doctor's office before you get there. That's going to be very high throughput. We're not talking about 100 megabit. We're talking about gigabit and 10 gigabit lines.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of people understand that. In fact, in, in right now, the Office of Science and Technology, which is the scientific part of the White House, has a program it's sponsoring called U.S. Ignite. And this is a series of hackathons where we're trying to find what are these gigabyte applications that are coming. And so there's a lot of work going on. The United States still, uh, our competitive advantage is intellectual property. Mm-hmm. And that means that if you're going to participate in that, then you truly have to participate and not run over uh, a little tiny link into into uh, a system that doesn't satisfy your needs.
0: Hmm. Okay. Um, no, I definitely, I definitely agree you know, with that. That we have a, um, we we have, I don't know, uh, an evolutionary potential. In other words, where we are going to evolve to, that a fair number of people get, but I think a lot of folks don't, and and so subsequently the need, uh, or or the lack of a perception of the actual need tends to shade some of the discussions. So, for example. Um, because people can't see the future beyond, oh, I just want to get Netflix, or I just want to download YouTube. They can't see any urgency in encouraging the kinds of initiatives like your company is doing because they think this is just a big entertainment deal. And and so why should we put all that effort into it? And they, they need, a, I don't know, maybe a better grounding in what the future is, and, and US Ignite fits into that realm, Right.
1: Well, US Ignite does. There's there's other uh, there's other places where, from robotics, from you know, think about these automobiles that are driverless automobiles. If you just look at the uh, amount of data coming off of those things, we expect to be, uh, for security purposes, we expect cameras everywhere. We expect to be able to go back in history and make sure that, that bad people didn't come in, and if they did, they get caught. So this whole digital world is permeating uh, all of all of our uh, joy of living and etc. What I have shown here that I think is probably the, the most important thing is not how to use fiber. I mean, people know how to do this. They know how to put the high speed lines in. They know the equipment necessary. What really the contribution I think I'm making in San Leandro is. Trying to show people that there's ways of putting these things in, they're they're not uh, they're not taking a huge amount of money, they're fundable locally, and we can get on with putting these things in. We don't have to wait 10 years for the next big uh, program, uh, as we know some countries are doing. They're rolling one gigabit uh, internet everywhere for the whole country. But I have news for them, it's so slow for a government to do that, that by the time they get that one gigabit in, the world standard will be 100 gigabit. So we have to get the entrepreneurs out there uh, helping uh, move our economy on and utilizing this kind of uh, technology.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's shift a little bit, put you into the consultant mode here. Um if you were talking to other entrepreneurs, people that have businesses similar to yours, you know in size and focus and whatnot um how would you advise them to move down this path of of in oh, other words, exactly. of, of being the buyer or being yeah. the the driver of a of a broadband build out? Well, the fastest
1: and easiest way is to move to San Leandro, and I'll take care of them <laughs>
0: but <laughs> if they
1: have other reasons that they'd like to stay where they are, the first thing I would do is I'd go down and talk to your city. If the city doesn't want this, it isn't going to happen because there's just too much work associated with getting all the approvals and everything necessary because you have to go under railroad tracks, you have to go under sidewalks, and etc. But if you find that your city does want this, then I would look to the businesses in that city. And no matter where you are, there are successful businesses there. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that this uh, private-public partnership works. There is another model that works as well, but we didn't have it in this area, and that's the Muni uh, public because in Chattanooga, it was the Chattanooga EPB, Electric Power Bureau, in Santa Clara, it was Silicon Valley Power. So the power companies, if you have uh, a muni, because the non-munis are really regulated by the PUC, so they don't have as much flexibility. But if you have a muni that wants to improve the city, then they're a great partner to have because they're already familiar with right-of-ways and they're familiar with going through these processes. But I think that the main thing is to is to go look at some of the cities, uh, San Leandro, Santa Clara in this area, or Chattanooga on the East Coast, and there's five or six of these cities around, uh, and see what it, you know, start to develop a vision of what you want, and then do it in cooperation with the city. Uh, I just don't, I can't even imagine uh, doing this without the city's cooperation.
0: Mm-hmm how what kind of cities would say no to something like this
1: uh well there's some there's some crazy things out there we've had uh we've had uh, uh certain states that have outlawed cities doing this we've had some cities that have actually sent their money back to the tarp because they're they don't want to get into the technology um there's there's it's really formulating this plan and vision that'll it will actually be done and i have to say in all frankness if the conduit didn't exist it would have been a much much harder job to justify putting uh putting the system in but if there's existing if there's existing conduit it's it's almost a no-brainer it's you just put it in. And if you look at the new uh, broadband policy that the city of San Leandro has been publishing, they're they're putting things in their planning process. For example, if they open a street for any reason, they put in empty conduit. Uh they have a policy against abandoning conduit. So that's really the key. And if you look at the uh the overall technology, there's let me say there's three or four bits of technology there's the actual fiber itself and the fiber now you know, it's great. Terabits down fibers the width of a human hair. Uh-huh. Then there's the switch, and the switch is uh it's really a big computer that's that's dumping hundreds of frequencies down a, a single one of those fibers. Then there's the actual labor associated with putting in conduit. The switches are going down in, in cost, the Fiber is very low in costs, but the labor putting in that conduit—if anything—it's going up. So getting the glass in the ground is is absolutely the key. If you if you can't find a way to get that glass in the ground, I mean a conduit that, that does some good decent distribution of the information, uh, I don't I don't know what I would have done even in San Leandro. It's it's imperative to get the uh, to get the path. The mm-hmm. fiber and the switches and the services are really easy compared to the conduit.
0: So let's um, flip this over to the community side, the person in the street, the residences and so, residences and so forth. Um, how does a community go about finding uh, a business like yours to take up the mantle? Because I, I think it's important um, in this case that to point out that a business is driving this effort, right? Because I think that once a business gets involved, it takes away all that political backlash about uh, uh, communities being involved and tax dollars being involved. I mean, granted, you, you are partnering with the city, but I mean, I think from a perceptual standpoint, you know, when you get that business out front, it changes the dynamic of the discussion because even the most ardent, you know, conservative and free market thinker understands the value of local business to their local economy. So, so how does the how does the the community enlist folks like you to get into this effort?
1: Well, I think there's 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 really a uh, a marked difference between uh, the functions of a city and the functions of a business. In certain areas, the city really needs to be driving uh, the services that go out to the public. In other words, I want to make sure that my house, which happens to be in San Leandro, gets the best uh, broadband, gets the best functionality that I can get. And sometimes this takes a city to uh, recognize this and work with the local carriers. A business has a completely different goal, and that is to you know, manufacture, uh, service, make jobs, make money, and et cetera. So, so really what a, a private citizen has to do is that they they really ought to see what sort of uh, vision that they can uh, either create or support within a city. And, and I have to say there's a lot of people in city and state government that absolutely get it they absolutely know that this is the future but sometimes what will happen to them is that uh, because they are a city because they're trying to service all of the people that depend upon them they'll end up with a project to let me say run fiber to all the homes well that's not very cost effective and so now you have to go get funding and you have to convince people it's for the future, it's for the greater good, and et cetera. You may have seen, and I believe it was Palo Alto, that already has a conduit in place, but they decided not to go fiber to the home uh-huh. just because it's, they couldn't justify it. So from my purely practical viewpoint, what I would do is I would just uh, exclude the Homes, the residences from my thoughts the 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 current carriers handle that fine uh, people get adequate coverage and concentrate on what you can do and think of it as a business development uh infrastructure investment, and you just have to find somebody at the city that knows the city politics well enough and and can bowl the stuff through. I have to say i'm the world's worst politician. I wouldn't make it 15 minutes
0: uh, because
1: a lot of the things you do in business, you know, you're not the same. You you're learning to not manipulate, but you're learning to to pound through a certain area. I mean, it's it's hard to generate jobs, for example. I've generated 850 jobs. It's hard to generate those jobs and then make them sustainable. I mean, it's easy enough for a government to come down and say, we're going to build a bridge, whether people like it or not, and people work on the bridge and they build it, but then if it's not sustainable, if it doesn't generate a profit, it's like, you know, what do you do next? On the other hand, if you build a chemical plant or a refinery or a power station, you still get the same jobs, you build it, but now that thing sits there and earns money for the next 30 years, it keeps hiring people it keeps expanding it keeps bringing money into the community so it's really a different focus and uh, you have to find somebody uh, or line up or partner with somebody within the city that has a similar vision and in the in the bay area for example we have uh several broadband alliances they they completely get it uh they they're looking for ways to to actually create this kind of scenario for the whole Bay Area. And really all I did is that by paying for it and finding a buried asset, I accelerated the process. I think you could go to any city in the Bay Area, you could describe what we're doing in San Leandro, and they would say, yeah, we need to do that. There's no question they need to do that. But without the buried assets and without the private money, uh, it it would
0: be 10 years. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I wrote an article, um, actually just last week, about the fact that there needs to be a a broadband champion. Um, In some cases, I know like in Kansas City, they had a recommendation to create a, a leadership team. But the idea is the same, I believe, which is there needs to be a focal point driving the process, and once you get this thing moving, so like, for example, Landry, San Leandro has started the, the the project, and now all of a sudden there is this huge amount of interest, I I see anyway, going on within various groups within the Bay Area, different communities, different cities, and so forth. How does one create or recruit or somehow find a a leadership person who can take the ball within those respective cities and drive this thing forward? Because without it, aren't you running the risk that there will be a lot of activity, but you won't necessarily move forward?
1: Absolutely. And the way I think we tend to uh, think of it as as an individual, but there's actually a lot of people in government in cities that understand the overall concept of putting in an infrastructure that supports the future, and that would be good for the city. They usually don't know how to act on that concept, and sometimes it's just a technical issue. They may not understand fiber that well. I think when I started this, one of the biggest questions I would get is what's lit fiber and mm-hmm. how is it different than dark fiber? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's some of the very rudimentary technology has kept these cities from understanding what sort of leverage the technology has on their city. Once this has been discussed and uh, laid out maybe as a as a broadband plan, and I, I know, I, again, I, I mentioned that San Leandro actually publishes the broadband broadband plan on their web, and that's the great thing about cities. They're completely open. They say everything they're doing, all of their meetings are transparent. So there's a lot of ways to learn about this. But at the end of the day, you have to have enough of the – technology background to actually convert these good ideas to a project. Mm-hmm. And in in this case, uh, you know, we are a high-tech company. And so we, you know, I've used my own IT group for some of these things. It wasn't their job, but they're very skilled at this stuff. But I think that uh, having some sort of a chief technology officer, chief innovation officer, something where you could collect the technology, appropriately use consultants, uh, do the literature surveys. It, it's. I don't think in my year, year and a half I've been doing this, I've gotten a tremendous amount of disagreement that this is not a good thing. But I do get some blank stares sometimes on like, gee, could we really do that in our environment? So mm-hmm. it, I think it's more of a technical issue. Uh, than anything.
0: But then that, I think, leads to the question of how do we get that person committed? I mean, at at some point, I guess what I'm looking for is, uh, and and there may not even be an answer for this question, but I I guess what I'm looking for is there some way that if, you know, uh, I inspire, you know, I read an article. I'm just, you know, average Joe or Jane citizen. I read an article and I go, you know, our community needs to do this. Right. Um, should their their next step be, you know, find 10 other uh, citizens and then collectively go to a city council meeting or do they go to the mayor's office or to the IT, you know, whether it's a CIO, whatever they call it in their city and then, you know, launch it that way, do you think?
1: Well, I know what the end result has. You have to have you have to have a clear Understandable vision of what this is and why we're doing it
0: All right now okay. how
1: do you get to that it's uh, sometimes there's there's staff that that are familiar with the technology most cities have an i t department there's certainly uh, consultants that will come in and and do a, a quick survey on on the issues the practical issues how do you get from your loop in the city how do you get out to the to the rest of the internet. You know, there's some very practical uh issues that could be determined very rapidly if this is this is going to be feasible. And then you have to have somebody, maybe that's what you were calling a champion. You got to have somebody that's uh a cheerleader that says this is the right thing to do. Um uh, let's let's talk about it. Let's see how it would affect uh will affect us here. Mm-hmm. And um I guess that would be uh what I'd suggest but uh you know i didn't have to go through a lot of that because uh once once it became clear what what i was aiming for uh i got fantastic support i got great support from the people of san leandro i got great support from the city uh it's it's very clear something that if if you don't do it in the way i'm doing it you have to do it some other way because you know just think about uh run fast forward 10 years if you're sitting there with a with a with a 1 1 meg line uh, a T1 is a 1.54 meg line and the rest of the world has fiber and their 10 gig lines coming in uh you just don't participate uh, in the in the internet and today to not participate in the internet means you stop dating your tracks and you don't go forward
0: mm-hmm so it's going to be a sort of a combination of, uh, I don't know, stimulus, you know. And by stimulus, I mean different people or different ways in which things will be stimulated to go from, oh, this will be a good idea, to, you know, getting it down to someone in the right office to kind of kick the ball forward. But I think ultimately um, if the average citizen, whoever listens to the show, says, okay, well, we want to do the same thing, somebody has to commit. It seems to um at least drafting a basic vision or or you know crafting a a-, a basic vision to then go and start i don't know a door to door process if you will to find people who will tie into that vision
1: i I think so I think you could you could probably with with the search engines so great these days you could probably get a pretty good idea with uh with some rudimentary research on Cities are doing and how to do it, but then it's got to be turned into action, and that action in a in a in a government uh where you're a government of people, that action is by some sort of collaboration and a meeting of the minds mm-hmm. and in my in my um experience i there's not a lot of resistance once people understand, but it that's primarily a training. Uh, and a description and a visioning process. Uh, the actual technology, it's pretty straightforward technology. If
0: mm-hmm. you decide
1: to put in a, a fiber from point A to point B, and you, you say, well, if it's underground, it's it's more reliable, do we need that? And you say, well, yeah, so it's underground. Once you've got that tube in there, pulling a uh, 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 cable that's got, Hundreds of strands in it, or pulling a single strand, it's the same price. So you just pull everything that you can, and then you find a use for it. Uh, it's it's very very much the uh, uh, getting that vision conjured up to where you can get people working on the things that have to be done, and what has to be done is uh, the basic engineering, the layout of the loop. Then there's got to be right of way documents that have to be uh have to be drafted and and taken care of then there's some connection between your loop and the outside world that means finding um finding fiber that can get you to the outside world uh and then it's just a matter of doing it and once you have that on paper then you also have to have the the champion that goes around and sells the idea because um some of these some of these links that people need you know, maybe they're more expensive than they would expect, but they have to see the value. I mean, to actually take fiber and link two buildings together, it's, it's an expensive proposition. But if you go and look and see what happens when you do that, then for a business, they can see where that's worthwhile. Because in a business... You save the time and trouble of people going back and forth, the telecom back and forth, or or in a community, too. There's there's a lot of communication that goes on between facilities in a community, and uh, you have to see the value of doing that. And the reason it's easier for me to work with the business is that, A, I am a business, and if I can show them where they're going to save money, then they can spend that money on me. That's not as easy with a uh, with a with a, um, a government because they their payout is to do better for their people and mm-hmm. that's not quite as quantifiable. Gotcha. But there, there's no quite there's there's some federal standards too. There's there's no question that schools and libraries and police and nine one one security cameras, stoplights, transportation, all of these things are moving very very rapidly and uh the 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 standards you need for for example for a library are much higher than they were 5 years ago.
0: Mhm. Great. Well, this is going to wrap up our show and I want to thank you Pat for being here and sharing all these insights uh, and hopefully we'll get you back on the show again soon.
1: I thank you very much for the opportunity.
0: Uh, Alrighty. And thank you to our audience, and thank you to our sponsor, Hiawatha Broadband Communications, for uh, being here with us today. Thank you, and goodbye.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you. Bye.